John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We were at verse 16 this morning. Let's back up a little and we'll start again. A saving look at Jesus Christ. A saving look at Jesus Christ. In John chapter 3 and verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now he's talking about the cross and the lifting up on the cross. He's making application from Numbers chapter 21. That was familiar to the hearers he was speaking to. Verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now John 14 and 15 and 16 you have these verses are familiar to people and they overlook the truths that are here. That's why I emphasize them tonight. In verse 14, you have the remedy of the gospel. In verse 15, you have the results. You have eternal life. That's the results. In verse 16, you have the reason of the gospel. You have the remedy, 14, 15, the results, 16, you have the reason. And this lifting up that he's talking about here is a death that demands a resurrection. If you would take the Greek New Testament and look at it as, as you look at verse 15, it will say a death that demands a resurrection. If you read it properly, it's not only a death, but a death that demands a rising again. You see, we talk about the death of Christ, which he did die, but he didn't stay dead. He's alive tonight. He's a living Christ, and he's ever liveth, and he's yonder to take care of our needs. You were talking about uh, having problems and all of that. Listen, you can go directly to him. He's at the throne. He's at the throne. <clears throat> See, it takes a living Christ to save a dead sinner. And so he is alive. In some churches, you go in, you'll see a, a cross, and then you'll see a Christ, a dead Christ on that cross. And he stays dead in that uh, outfit. But I'm here to tell you, he did not stay on the cross. He died on the cross, but he was taken down and put in a tomb. And he stayed in the tomb three days, but he arose from the dead. And he's not dead tonight, he's alive. He's alive. He's alive, I know, because the Bible tells me so. 
and because my experience tells me so, I know he's living in me. And so <clears throat> he came up out of the grave. He is a living Savior. Now look at verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so, or just like that, must the Son of Man be lifted up. So what happened when the serpent was lifted up? Turn to Numbers chapter 21, and you see the account. Numbers chapter 21, this is what Jesus is referring to now. Here in verse 14. In verse 4 of Numbers chapter 21, it says, And they journeyed from Mount Horeb by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth or hateth, hates this like bread that falls every morning. By the way, that was for 40 years. Can you think of that? And uh, wouldn't you like to get a hold of Mrs. Moses' recipe book, how she fixed it? They said, we hate this light bread. It's, it's not what we want. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man when he Beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now here's the account. And Jesus said that just as Moses lifted up in the middle of the camp on a high pole, this fiery serpent of brass, brass serpent, remember it wasn't a real serpent now, that was lifted up, one that had been biting the people. It was a substitute. Here is the doctrine of substitution. Brass speaks of judgment in the Bible. So in the middle of the camp, this is what God said to Moses. You take and put a pole in the middle of the camp of Israel, and on top of that pole you put a serpent of brass. And anybody around about the camp could look and if they look upon that pole and that serpent, they shall live. Now that's simple enough. 
they were not told to manufacture some kind of ornament to put on the snake bites. That's what a lot of folks are doing instead of doing what God said. They're trying to make up some kind of way they think is better than God's. He said, He that looketh shall live. There is life in a look at the Lord Jesus. There's life in a look. It was the Lord's providing. You see, God was the one who said, do this. It wasn't Moses' idea. Moses was commanded to fix it upon a pole so it would be public. And I'm here to tell you tonight, the Lord Jesus Christ did not die in the back alley in Jerusalem. He died out in the public so everybody could see. And I can picture it now in my mind's eye. The old road came right by the cross going down to the city of Jerusalem. And everybody traveling that road saw what was going on that day when the Lord Jesus died. That's why he asked you to make it public. You see, he died in a public place. He asked you to make it public. It was of the Lord's providing. It was in a public place. And then the Lord's promise. That's in verse 8. He said, when he looketh upon it, he shall live. The remedy is to look away from ourselves to the object of our faith. Look away from ourselves to the object of our faith. If we keep looking at ourselves and we keep saying we're not worthy of it and we don't know whether the Lord could take care of it or not and all of this kind of stuff, if we'll just look to the object of our faith, the Lord Jesus, it'll be taken care of. Now, I want to give you this. You've heard me say this, but I see it in our day. And I watch things that are going on. The most damning message I hear in our day is this. That you can have Jesus Christ and what he did apart from his person. That's impossible. <clears throat> you talk to the most wicked man that lives anywhere around you. You talk to him and tell him. Asked him if he believes Jesus died for him, he'll tell you, yes. And he believes he can have what Jesus did apart from Jesus. He's been taught that in this generation, and that's heresy. You cannot have the cross and all the benefits of it without the one who died. When you have him, then you've got the benefits of it. Now, it is being joined to him. Salvation is in him. Now, what happened in the councils of God way back on eternity was the great. God 
the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit planned this thing out, what happened back there is great. But I tell you, something must happen to you down here. And whatever God planned back there is not something that's fantastic and up in the air. It's something that's practical that must take place in time in your life and in mine. So they were not told to manufacture some kind of medicine or snake bite. They were not told to fight the serpents. Now I know how to get on the radio and make plenty of money. i tell you how you can do it. There's a preacher. Just pick you out something to fight about. That's right. Get into politics and just fight about politics all the time or uh, talk about communism all the time or something like that. Something to fight about. Some cause. And I know hundreds of preachers that got a lot of money by doing that kind of stuff. Now listen, I couldn't sleep at night if I had to do that kind of thing. No, we're not told to fight the serpents. We're not told to do that. He said, lift it up in the middle of the camp and look and you'll live. Some are always wanting to start a society for the extermination of serpents. <laughs> and they call me on the phone want me to get in on it. Now listen, I ain't got time for that kind of thing. <clears throat> they called me from down at that Channel 16 wanting me to be on there. I said, I don't have time. They're going to give me the time. I said, I don't have time to mess with it. I'll tell you why. Because that's a charismatic outfit. I don't want to be identified with them. I don't have time for that kind of thing. They were not told to make an offering to the serpent. They were not told to pray to the serpent. They were not told to look at Moses. Are you listening? Listen, I want to be the best pastor that I can be to you. I want to help you every way, and I'm going to get in the book and show you scriptures Sunday after Sunday and Wednesday night after Wednesday night. But listen, don't get your eyes on any man. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You keep your eyes on man, he'll let you down every time. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus. There's a lot of folks whom I know are tithing to the preacher. He don't get the money, comes into the church, but they're tithing because they like the preacher. And if they get mad at the preacher, they quit tithing. That's the reason I know that they're not tithing to the Lord. See. 
what am I talking about? Don't get your eyes on man. Get your eyes on the Lord and look to him. They were not told to look at Moses. No, sir. And then they were told to look and live. Look and live. So go back now to John chapter 3 and notice in verse 14 here is the remedy. Here's the remedy. What's the remedy? Look to Jesus. The Lord Jesus is talking about the new birth now until he gets down to verse 14. And they're asking questions how this comes about. And he brings in the cross and he said, just like Moses did in the wilderness, this is what you're to do when I'm lifted up. You're to look to me and live. Look to me and live. Here's the remedy. Verse 16, you have the reason. For God so loved the world. Now notice it does not say, it doesn't say in this passage, God loves the world. It's past tense. He loved it when it was corrupt and ungodly. And when it couldn't help itself, he loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. A little girl in Sunday school quoting it and she said forgotten son hit the nail on the head didn't she in our day that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life here's the reason the love of God the remedy is the cross here is the reason here's the love of God what a wonderful message of the love of God in John 3.16. It's the great, greatest message comes out of the scriptures. How that God loved this world when it was unlovely. <clears throat> and you and I belong to it. Here's what I'm saying. Jesus did not die to get God in a notion of saving somebody. God was already in the notion when Jesus died. God loved you before you knew him. And if you're in this building without him, he loved you tonight. He loves you. There's some preachers that are afraid to say that God loves sinners. All I have to say is this. They ought to read the Bible. It talks about God loving sinners. Why, if he didn't love sinners, we'd all be in a bad shape, I'm telling you. I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did. <clears throat> the love of God reaches beyond the finite mind. I couldn't describe it. When somebody sings the love of God, what a great song that is. 
That's a great song. And the words of that song was written, found in a room. It was set to music, but it was found in a room in the same silence. Somebody had written it upon the wall. And you think about that song, the words of it. Every who was in that room had come to the place where they realized the love of God. Somebody took it and set it to music. Somebody in this house here ought to sing it sometime. <laughs> So Becky, you better get ready. <laughs> All the love of God, the love of God, here's the reason. Here's the reason. So we have the remedy and we have the reason. Then, verse 15, you've got the results. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The word perish is used here as the word destroy, marred, beyond use, perish. Men were working out here not long ago, and, and uh, one of the fellows brought two watermelons. And we got them over there at the house and got them good and cold. And perhaps you had a part in that. And uh, we had one over there, and we forgot about it. We left it in, in the freezer, and that thing froze. And of course, it broke open time we realized nothing else in that freezer we opened the door it had perished <laughs> that's the word that's used here destroyed beyond use destroyed beyond use should not perish but have everlasting life. Now how long is it everlasting life? God's everlasting, isn't it? That's how long you'll have life. As long as God lives, you'll have life. <coughs> Here's the results of the remedy and the reason that you'll never perish. Can you take it in? Can you take it in? Look over in chapter 3 and verse 36. Well, verse 18, let's read that one, then we'll go to 36. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. He doesn't have to wait until he dies or goes to the judgment. He's already sentenced. 
He's already sentenced. That's what the word condemn means. He is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You talk to lost people a lot of times. They say, well, I haven't done this. I haven't killed anybody lately. I haven't stole anything, you know, the last six months. Here is something that you have not done that makes you lost. You have not believed in the Son of God. That's something you have not done. Now look at verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. That's present tense. Hath. You got it right now. Hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The wrath of God is hovering right over his head. Abideth. Coming to dwell right over his head. Every day that a sinner lives outside of Jesus Christ, the wrath of God right over his head like that, ready to break right over his head. What he's saying, verse 36. And every day, neglecting Jesus Christ brings the lost person nearer, nearer, and nearer to perishing. 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 Oh, it behooves you tonight to get it settled once and for all and go with God happy in your soul. He can give you everlasting life. It's in him. Let's stand. <clears throat> Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Father, we are thankful for the word of God tonight and we know that the gospel is so simple that men stumble over it and they make their way down to the pit as they stumble over it. It's simply in Jesus the Lord. Father, we pray tonight for everyone present. May they realize what they have and the great treasure they have when they have salvation. We pray for those who do not know the Lord May they come to know him. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, no one's looking around, tonight will be a good time for you to get settled in your heart of receiving Jesus Christ and to sit out from this night on to live for him and to serve him. Tonight would be a good time for you to do that. Right now. What about it, friend? What about it? We've been as honest as we could with you and with the scriptures. We tried to make it as plain as we could. We tried to help you. You need this Jesus. 
you need him tonight, you'll need him in eternity.